Hello and welcome to the Free Movement Podcast. I'm CJ McKinney. Today we're talking about the Immigration and Asylum Tribunal, which is a familiar institution for immigration lawyers, uh, maybe less so for others. And it's that outside perspective on how the tribunal works and what doesn't work uh, that I want to get at today, how the system looks to people who aren't involved with it day in, day out. Uh, and to that end, I'm here with Emily Dugan, who is a senior reporter with BuzzFeed News, and before that, chief reporter and social affairs editor at The Independent. Emily, welcome. Hi, thanks. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself and how you first got interested in immigration and asylum issues. Uh, well, uh, I've been interested in immigration stories for a long time. Um, I suppose in the sense that any any decent journalist should want to be writing stories about the underdog uh, and the people who don't whose experiences don't get talked about much in our in our daily life. Um, and so, yeah, I suppose I, I I'm trying to remember now. I think I started looking at the. Um, uh, the Asylum Commission back in the day, and that was that was during the Labour government, um, and I kind of came across some stories through that, um, uh, where the Home Office was accused of using um, a deliberate policy of, uh, which I, I suppose they could still be accused of now, of a deliberate policy of allowing um, uh, asylum seekers to uh, to end up in a state uh, close to destitution, um, where, uh, where where they would struggle to make ends meet in Britain to encourage them to go home. It's a long time uh, to be looking at immigration asylum, positive better at this point. Uh, when, when was the first time you found yourself down at the immigration tribunal um, watching cases? So in general, um, when cases reach the national press, it's often because they're in the high court. So typically you find yourself in the high court. Um, the first time I was at the immigration tribunal, I think was, um, was the case called Carly Miller. Um, it was who's a lady um, who worked for the NHS as a therapist, um, came over from Australia um, using her Italian husband's um, EU status, um, and when that marriage disintegrated, despite the fact that she'd been working for the NHS for many, many years, um, her visa was no longer valid and she was fighting to stay in Britain. We've seen quite a lot of stories of that nature in the press in the last couple of years and, and or since Brexit I suppose and talking to lawyers they seem to think that there's more of that appetite for hard cases if you like of people who have been uh, sort of suffered at the hands of the immigration system um, do you think there's a sort of change in, in public interest in that over time or do you think it's always been something that uh, people have been interested in I think people have always been interested in cases where um, they have a sense that there's an injustice. Um, and I think since, since Theresa May was Home Secretary and, and there was this very public stated aim of creating a hostile environment um, for those immigrants who, had, who, 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 who no longer had status in Britain, um, I think there has been a much more, um, I, I sense anyway, um, and I'm, I certainly hear that from a lot of a lot of lawyers um, and a lot of people working um, in the community that there that, that there is a, a more aggressive approach to uh, reducing immigration numbers and of course the government has said that they want to reduce um, immigration um, and I think when, once you get to once that is your stated aim uh, there will inevitably be cases individual human cases where where it, it feels that there's been a sort of slightly computer says no situation and identifying those cases you know, is part of what you're, 
your job is as a journalist to find the people who are falling through the cracks of the system. And one of the ways in which I understand you've been doing that is you've gone back to Hatton Cross uh, Immigration Removal Centre near Heathrow. Uh, mm -hmm. I was there myself again recently. Um, the lawyers really seem to love Hatton Cross. <laughs> I don't know well, what it is about that. I think it might have something to do with the fact that it's, it, it looks like it's on an industrial estate. I mean, it's, it's opposite a, a giant Tesco and a very large roundabout. Um, and to get there, you, you sort of have a choice of many, many different types of public transport or, or obviously driving. Um, and I suppose if you're a lawyer used to going to the High Court and it's, you just hop onto the, hop onto the tube, it's a, it's a bit more of a mission. It's, it's not quite so And it must be a real mission for the, um, for the families and the individuals whose cases are up there because, you know, as, as we all know, if you're facing an uncertain immigration status in Britain, you're often banned from working, you have very, very little money. Um, so it must take a fair amount of saving just to be able to get the many buses to get you there. Very true. And one of the other things that struck me as somebody looking on from the outside who reads the case reports but isn't familiar with the day in, day out workings of the system is one of the um, people I spoke to, he was there uh, supporting his brother to try and get him out of immigration detention. So it was a bail application. Um, the bail hearing for his brother was close to 4 p.m. He'd been there since before 10. Um, and what amazed me is you don't seem to get a time slot for your hearing. You get told, turn up at 10 a.m. Um, and we'll hear you at some point. And, you know, if you have a job or childcare issues, you know, tough. Yeah, I mean, it's very similar in Magistrates Court, um, where I was reporting a lot last year. I've been writing a series of reports on, on people in court with, without lawyers. Um, and, yeah, it, it, it's just, it's considered tough. And, in fact, in Magistrates Court, if you have a lawyer, you're, you're more likely to be seen first within that time slot because the lawyer's time is seen as more precious. Um, and those without lawyers always end up being bumped towards the end. Well, tell me about people without lawyers then, because one thing that struck me when I was at Hatton Cross looking at the bail applications was the obvious difficulties that people had in getting their point across to the court. Um, it was painfully obvious even to me as somebody who's not a lawyer that points they were making weren't legally relevant, that it wasn't what the judge was looking for in terms of deciding the case. Mm -hmm. um, and you'd be looking specifically at people in the immigration asylum system without lawyers. So what have you found there? Yeah, as you say, um, it's very hard. It's not just the obvious things such as, you know, I mean, not knowing the right legal terms or, or perhaps not knowing which points of law to get across. There's really basic things too, just how articulate you are. Um, most of the cases I saw were through a translator. Um, it's very slow and painful trying to argue a case through a translator. Um, and often, if you also are inexperienced in the sorts of things you should be saying, what you hear are very brief answers to the judge's questions or, or to the Home Office's questions, which sound totally insufficient. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they've got a rubbish case. It just, they might not know how much detail to give. Um, that was one thing. And another thing, in the case of uh, detention hearings, uh, but, you know, bail applications, often it was a, it was a, well, it was a video link. Mm. And so you're, you're at the end of a video link and through a translator, and in a, a couple of those, a couple of the video links were okay, 
Um, but certainly one of them, I mean, he looked like he was sitting at the end of a long corridor. The audio was awful. You, could, you, you couldn't see his face. And that's so crucial. If a judge is trying to make a decision, we, we'd like to think that we're above the sort of basics of, of, of whether you trust someone from their expressions. Um, but I'm sure judges show com more compassion to someone who's in the same room as them. I can't believe that's not the case. So the video link is one obvious thing. Are there any other difficulties that you see from your experience going to watch these cases, you, the difficulties you see people have um, without lawyers? Yeah, I mean, one, one striking difficulty, and this is this I've noticed across the board um, in courts, you know, in criminal court, in magistrates court, um, and in, in other family cases, um, if you don't have the relevant evidence you need before you start your case, and it's a very basic point, but you're not, you don't stand a chance. And I think without a lawyer, a lot of people are unaware of the level of evidence they need to support their claims. Uh, so there was one asylum case that I, that I sat in on, and the, uh, they tried to get an adjournment to, to gather more evidence. That's what their barrister was, had told them to argue. The adjournment wasn't allowed, and so the, the case went ahead with no lawyer at all. Um, and with obviously very little evidence because as their lawyer had advised that they didn't have enough yet uh, and it was it was painful to watch you know yeah. it was through a translator so the lang there were language issues as well the translator wasn't brilliant the, 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 you know their, their English wasn't certainly wasn't grammatically yeah. correct in translation um, and it was quite hard to follow the thread of what was being said and a lot of it was just you know very sweeping statements for example with, without without any obvious supporting evidence. Now, I didn't have the bundle in front of me, but the bundle looked pretty thin. Um, and, for example, at one stage they asked, did they have a membership card of the, of the party that they purported to be a member of? And, uh, and they said, no, but I, I, I can get one, but I don't have one with me now. And I, I think you just, you can't underestimate the, the very basic essentials that, that, that a lawyer can remind their clients to provide for a case. Emily, you've just published an article on the things we've been discussing. It's available on BuzzFeed News? Yes, uh, buzzfeed.com. Yeah. And in fact, all the, the whole series I've been writing um, on people in court without lawyers um, and the crisis we're facing in legal aid uh, is available at um, buzzfeed.com forward slash access to justice. Uh, Emily, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks very much.